Hey there, badasses. Well, we're back. And I am your win woman, Yanni San Luis. And in this week's episode of Building Badassery, we're going to dive into relationships. That's right. We have so many relationships in our lives, personal relationships, professional relationships, friendships, love interest, all the kind of relationships. And here's the thing about these is that there are ways of properly cultivating these and there are ways of not. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about what those key ways are. We're going to talk about how to diversify your group of friends and the people around you and how to make those deposits. Later on, we're going to we're going to speak about energy suckers. I'm talking about those complainers in your life, the ones that are never satisfied and how to deal with them. Here's the thing. And this is what I know. I know that when you surround yourself with people who lift you, inspire you and support the goals that you have set, you are better. So sit back, relax, and let's get started. relationships. There are so many different types of relationships that we have, whether it's business relationships, friendships, we have romantic relationships. There are so many different types. And it's interesting because they all kind of start in a different way, obviously, but they also have a particular way of how you deal with it. You may have a ritual, you have a routine that you deal with certain type of people in your life. But inherently, we all follow the same cycle. And as a fundraising professional, as a sales professional, I absolutely love to talk about the relationship cycle, because that's what I call it. A lot of people call it the fundraising cycle. Some people have named it the sales cycle, but there really is a relationship cycle. And it And it dives into four critical pieces, which is discovery, cultivation, solicitation, and stewardship. Those are the four things that basically are in a circle. And we, as human beings, naturally fall into. So I'm going to just briefly describe this so that it gives you a premise for today's conversation. And I'm going to talk a little bit and elaborate more as it relates to some of the relationships that you have in your life and the ones that we want to further develop. So first of all, there's no way that you can meet someone and not know anything about them. I mean, that's that could be a possibility, but the first step to anything is discovery. And it's asking them, you know, what do you do? What's your name? You're trying to, at this point, trying to find some commonality here. Maybe it's the FBI investigative work that you're trying to do some on someone beforehand. And you're just trying to figure out who they are, right? So discovery, that's really a discovery zone type of place. After that, once you discover a person, you meet them for the first time, you're trying to cultivate that relationship, trying to find that common ground, but elevate it to the next level. So perhaps perhaps you share similar interests. 
Maybe it's the similar music. Maybe you're sharing music with one another. If it's a client, perhaps you are sharing that, you know, an upcoming artist is coming. Cultivation is a critical piece in the relationship because it kind of levels up from that discovery point. Now, be between the cultivation and the solicitation phase is a building of trust. There are some low stakes asks of things that, you know, will get give you a common yes. So let's say if you were sitting in some kind of seminar and you forgot to bring a pen with you and you look to the side of you and you have and you have a a young lady who might have a pen and that's a low stakes ask. You don't know the person, but if you ask them, Hey, do you have a pen that you can lend me? The likelihood that if they have it, they will lend it to you is highly likely. Why? Because it's a low stakes ask between cultivation and solicitation. The building of trust is critical. How are you showing up? is some, some of the questions that come up on this. How are you making good on some of the things that you've promised? How are you? They're trying to put prove validity in this level, right? Both from both areas, right? Who's this person? What's What are their intentions? Do I like this person? This happens in any given setting. Are they trustworthy? That's a huge, huge question. And then once you build enough trust, you, um, you feel comfortable asking for something, right? Now, granted, people will ask for things not knowing you, but I'm sharing this with you because as we talk and I show you negotiation or sales later on in this segment or later on in the series, you'll notice that the likelihood of you getting a yes is a higher probability if you cultivate relentlessly. If you spend time in the cultivation phase, if you spend time making sure that you're building the trust appropriately. If you go from zero to 60, you meet a person and you ask them to marry you, the likelihood of them saying yes is very low. So therefore, the cultivation piece is so important. So solicitation, you're always going to ask somebody for something. You're going to ask them for a recommendation as low as as low level as a recommendation, perhaps it's an introduction, perhaps it's a referral. You're the point is, is that you're asking people, this is a very common trade. We don't think about these things, but think about it. How many times today have you asked somebody for something, right? Or do you plan on asking somebody for something? Is it your coworkers and you're asking them to help you with a certain project? Maybe you're asking them to proofread. Is it a is it your significant other and you're asking them to take out the garbage or to cook tonight? These asks are happening all the time, right? So you're always soliciting or you're always asking for something. And so you have to kind of understand where that cultivation to ask piece. For those parents that are listening to this, a lot of times, you know, as kids, you you show affection or you say, I love you. And then there's like this thing in the back of your head that says, okay, what do you want? right? Because they're trying to build like this. They're trying to cultivate in their own way. So after solicitation, what ends up happening is the stewardship, is the follow-up. How did you make good on the promise that you said that you were going to do? So, you know, for example, if you ask someone for an appointment with you, did you show up? Did you, you know, did you say that you were going to be running late? Um, that follow-up, 
of what happens after someone says yes to you is so important. And I often say this in my fundraising or my negotiation trainings, which is the following. Every one of us has experienced at one point or another, perhaps a favor that we might've needed. And we know exactly the person that could complete this favor for us. But for some reason, we haven't reached out to them in a long time. And you know what? We're built with this sense of guilt because we haven't reached out to them, right? That guilt that we feel is because we haven't properly stewarded that person. We weren't grateful or maybe we were grateful, but we didn't show the appreciation. We didn't show the gratitude to the person. And we didn't make good on the promise of whatever it was, the follow-up of the solicitation prior. So that is the relationship cycle, discovery, cultivation, solicitation, and stewardship. How are you following up? All right. So now that we have the relationship cycle down, I'm going to talk a little bit about the do nots of what you should not do within the parameters of this cycle. So I want you to think about a time where you've royally fucked up with someone. I want you to think about it. Hold it in your mind. Do you got it? Okay. I'm sure that your body right now probably was like, ugh, and then you immediately popped up whatever recent event or maybe a past event that happened, and you had a physical reaction to how you felt, which was unpleasant. But I want you to take a second and really dissect the situation. Where could you have been better as it relates to the relationship cycle? Could you have been better in the cultivation phase? Could you have been better with how you reached out in the discovery phase? Did you mess up in the ask? Were you too aggressive or were you too passive? And, or maybe where, where I see a lot of people messing up is, is during the the follow-up, right? They fail to follow up and therefore it's, off-putting to people. So I say this because now that you have the relationship cycle in your mind, know that every single person in your life falls into this relationship cycle. And every single person, especially when you are looking at the relationship cycle, you are making withdrawals and you are making deposits. Think about like everyone and you have an individual bank account with every single person in your life. You're making deposits and you're making withdrawals. Normally, when you are cultivating someone, it is because you are making deposits. You are sending them things that they may like in the sense of articles. You are cultivating the relationship. Maybe you're listening in. Perhaps you even conducted a favor. These are all deposits. When you make an ask, naturally, it's a withdrawal, right? That's that's a natural sense of things. So deposits and withdrawals. So I say this, and I'm going to pause for a second for story time, being motherfucking mother goose. And I'm going to tell you a story that I'm sure that every single one of us has gone through. How many of you have had a person in your life that every time that they call you, it's because they want something? I'm sure a number of names are just floating through your brain at this point. So 
the thing is, is let's, let's talk about what the emotions that go through you are. You look at the name on your phone that's coming in and the immediate thing that you think of, I'm going to say it for you. Maybe you don't say it out loud is fuck. What do they want? What do they want this time? Is usually the question that is asked, right? And probably the reaction for that is, is a justified reaction because they haven't made deposits, right? And just like a bank account, if you don't have a little reserve and you're not consistently making deposits and all you're doing is asking and withdrawing, guess what? You're going to be overdrawn. And guess what? My fee, like the bank fee that is caused for the overdrawn account is me not responding or me not picking up the phone as fast as I would normally pick up the phone for other people because of that behavior. And I have to share with you, people like this are going to come in all shapes and forms. For a lot of us, it's in the form of our family. And for others, it's in the form of some toxic friendships. And granted, I'm going to just preface this by saying that that doesn't mean that there are extraordinary cases, right? There are exceptions. There are moments in our lives where we'll need more support. We'll need, we're asking more, right? Maybe a family member is in the hospital and we need more support during that time, right? But like I said, it's an extraordinary case. It's an exception, but that doesn't mean that other people shouldn't be making deposits in your life, in your relationship. It should not just be one-sided. And I'm going to just take a stab out here, everyone, and I'm going to share with you, I'm going to call it as I, as it is. If the reason why you're not making deposits into a relationship is because you don't want to bother the other person, I call bullshit. I do. The reason I call bullshit is because you can carve out a moment to send a note, to send a text, to pick up the phone and call the person. You can carve it out. You can make the time. You are in control of your schedule. You are in control of the time that you have. And if it was a priority, you'd make it. So I call bullshit. I want you to take inventory after this podcast today and after you listen and think about the accounts in your life or the relationships in your life that you've overdrawn. Maybe perhaps you've asked a little bit more and it's time for you to make deposits. It's time for you to cultivate further. And when you do this, I will tell you that you'll get back on that relationship cycle. You'll get back in a better scheme of things with people. And it's just going to feel overall better than this resentfulness that is felt between other people when, when you're asked of too much and when it feels like you're just taken advantage of. All right. So I'm going to let you in on how I manage relationships. And by no means it's perfect, but it's how it's worked for me. 
And it's how I've kept my peace, my sanity, and how I keep boundaries. So I'm just going to share with you that week to week, I have people in my life that I'm often communicating with. Okay. And I'm sure each and every one of us is the same in that regard. You're, you're pretty much communicating with the same people over and over again. Right. But I'm going to share with you for friendships, for clients, for the people that I surround myself with, I have a very limited group. I'm selective as fucking hell with who I spend my time with. And guess what? Rightfully so. So I don't know if that might have rubbed you the wrong way, but I will share with you, it certainly rubbed a college colleague or college classmate that I had. So I had this college um, classmate and, and we were actually partners in a competition. His name was Rodney. And as a, we did debate together but we also did, um, I was part of this organization where we would compete nationally and we were, we were partners in business ethics. And I remember going, I was about, at this point I was about 19 years old. And I remember going to a national conference in Chicago. And of course I had my group of friends, right? I had my group of, of people and I'll never forget this guy was like, said to me, you know, you just like to pick the people who are around you. You know, you are so um, selective of the people that you surround yourself with. And I don't know, I feel like he meant to insult me at the time. And I said to him, why is it so bad that I'm selective with who I'm with? I mean, I guess for a moment there, I took a step back and I as I walked back to my bedroom or the hotel room at that time, I was like, does that make me an elitist because I'm selective with who I am? Was that supposed to make me feel bad? I mean, I guess I took a step back. I, I thought about it. And the truth of the matter is, is that, yeah, I am. I'm selective as hell. I'm protective of the energy that I am around me. And guess what? As a 32-year-old woman who runs a ton of things, I don't want energy suckers around me. I want people who lift me up. I want people who, who will give me the feedback that I, that I need to level up my game. People who believe in what I do. I want people who are not afraid to come at me and call me out of my bullshit. I'm fine with that. I'm not saying I need yes people around me, but the people that I want to spend my downtime with, that I want to go to happy hour with, that I want to spend my weekends with. Yeah. I'm selective as I'm selective as fuck around those people. And I, would suggest that you do the same. And here's the thing, because we got people in our lives, everyone, who are energy suckers. They are they are the complainers, the people who are just never satisfied with what you do. I have a good friend of mine who whose name Luli B, and she was my business coach for a while, and we did masterminds together. And I remember going to a retreat with Luli, and one of my favorite activities that she did was the multipliers, adders, dividers, and subtractors. It was an activity. I don't remember what it was called, but essentially, she if you were to grab a piece of paper and you were basically just to divide it in four, you wanted to divide and think about the people closest to you and how do they play a role in your life? 
I love this exercise because it got me thinking about who were the people that really should be there and the people that I needed to walk away from. So I'm going to explain some of the terms to you as she had explained it in the retreat that I attended. So the multipliers in your life are those that, man, when something great happens, like I just had a great pitch last week. And there are people in my life that I wanted to just, I mean, I wanted, I knew that when I would contact them, they would just be as excited for me as I was. They would be jumping up and down. They would give me high fives. They would get excited with me. Those are the multipliers, the ones that are just absolutely overjoyed. They're the first people that you call when something great happens. Likewise, the adders in your life are similar to, to the multipliers, right? Maybe they're not that second at that, at that, um, first level, but they're certainly at the second, right? Maybe they're that second round of people that you call, maybe you text. They're the ones that are excited for you. Um, they, they, they're still, you know, overjoyed for you by that news. So keeping with the theme of sharing good news, the subtractors in your life, are people who are like, oh, that's nice, but, and they're usually the ones that are, you know, there's always an excuse, right? You know, something else is happening and they kind of dim the lights, right? They're the ones that kind of rain on the parade. And lastly, the dividers are the toxic ass people. So when you're sharing your good news, they're the ones that are you know, that wet noodle, but to another degree, right? Just like the multipliers were the ones that were high-fiving you, usually the dividers are the ones that are pretty much envious. I mean, they might not say it outright, but they might be the ones that are, um, you know, they, they're comparing. They're like, oh, well, that's nice, but compared to, to this, it's not that great, you know? They're the ones that really, really have a problem with whatever success that you make, Right. Again, maybe not outright they say that. So those are the multipliers, the adders, the subtractors, and the dividers. I love that exercise because it brought into a space for me. Who are the ones in my life who can propel me forward? Who are my cheerleaders? Who are the ones that I knew that were going to be by my side? And then who are the ones that I wanted to stay away from? right? I don't want to be around toxic energy. I mean, I don't know who wakes up in the morning and is like, yes, I can't wait to talk to that toxic person today. You know, I love that. And I share that with you today because I want you to take that inventory. You know, as we look at investment of time, you know, one of the things that this quarantine and this COVID has taught me is how investing my time even more so should be extremely selective because the energy that is exerted from that time spent is important. You know, how are you putting yourself first, but how are you making sure that the relationships that are around you are healthy? They're ones that should be there and the ones that are not are being removed. So I shared with you that exercise of the multipliers and the dividers and the subtractors and the adders because I think that a lot of times our actions in what we bring to the table on an everyday basis is because we have 
for a number of reasons, an eagerness to please. We have an eagerness for people to like us and to please others, right? At at the sacrifice of at the sacrifice of ourselves. And I share that with you because if you don't put yourself first, a number of times what happens is that you'll never be at your very best, right? Whatever it is that you give to another person, whatever time, energy, whatever project, whatever thing that you are stopping to do is usually going to be charged in a negative way. And frankly, it's going to be half-assed because you're not putting you first. And sometimes even it comes off as even resentful, right? Whatever activity that you're doing. So I shared that with you in that exercise because I want you to start thinking about the eagerness to please. And so interestingly enough, I just finished a book by Glennon Doyle and uh, called Untamed. It was fantastic. So many great nuggets of information. But one of the things I took to heart of the conversation that she was having was the one of this eagerness to please, right? We forget about ourselves and we forget sometimes even how to know because, and she said it specifically like this, we forget how to know when we learned how to please. So she provides in the book an example of a a sleepover that she was hosting at her home for her children. She has a boy and I believe two girls. And I guess they all hosted a sleepover together. And the boys, they were watching something and she checked in with the kids. And she asked to everyone, are you all hungry? Do you want a snack? The boys all said yes. And then she noticed a different type of behavior in the girls. And she goes on to describe the situation as being almost like they didn't say anything at first when the question was asked. They kind of looked around at each other. And then I think what ended up happening was that one of the girls, after some deliberation amongst themselves, said, no, we're not hungry at this time. And interestingly enough, that that got me to think a lot about you know, her her analysis of it was the fact that a number of times, you know, girls versus boys and, and their adolescence and how they're taught, girls are being taught, you know, how to please, how to come off, right? How to be pleasant. No, if you talk this way, that's unladylike, you know, all these kind of infrastructures. But I think that in all of us, women and men, there's some eagerness to be pleased, to please, but also an eagerness to be liked. And a lot of times I start wondering, and this is what the book got me to to think about, was how many of the decisions that you've made have actually been yours? How many have truly been yours? And I know that's a kind of hard question to ask yourself, but think about it in that way where did you make a specific decision decision because you'd be liked more or for another person or to please your parents, you know, all these different situations. And so I, I bring back that quote. We forget or we forgot how to know when we learned how to please. 
Because sometimes those decisions that come from inside of us of just the knowing, we forget how to do because we want to please another person. And I say this because discovery and going back to that cycle that I described earlier, discovery of who you are and the type of people you want to surround yourself by is so critical for you and your development and who you're going to become. I described in an earlier episode that frame of mind of crabs in a bucket and my MBA classmate that came from that upbringing of people pulling them down when they're trying to get out of the situation that they're in. So I ask you at this time to consider how many of the decisions that you've made recently have been yours that you've made and not influenced by the pretense of wanting to please somebody. And that, my friends, is a wrap. We've really dove in to some heavy topics today, specifically as it relates to relationships. And I know it's a lot to process. But just to recap for a second, I want you to remember a couple things. I want you to remember to learn about, really truly learn about the people that are around you. See where they currently fit in that relationship cycle. Are you discovering them? Are you cultivating them? What are you asking them about? And how are you following up? Also, where do they fall in your life? Do you want more from them? Are you conscious of the deposits that you're making and the withdrawals that they're making? Where are you at with that? And lastly, be selective. Protect your energy. I think a lot of times we fall into the trap of the eagerness to please and putting yourself last and others first and therefore getting depleted by the energy of other people who aren't deserving of it. So be selective with those around you. So with that, this concludes this week's episode. But next week, we're going to dive into negotiation. Yes, finally. I know I've been teasing it all season long. So we're going to dive into it. And we're going to dive into negotiating like your life depends on it. So again, I'm Yanni San Luis, your win woman. And this has been Building Badassery.